Friends in Recovery, the Addiction Recovery Podcast is brought to you by Genesis House and the Friends in Recovery community, a thriving network of individuals who are fighting back against the stigma of addiction and recovery. Join your hosts, Mike the Podfather and Jersey Ed, as they break the silence and speak up about the real issues of addiction, treatment, and recovery. Friends in Recovery, the Addiction Recovery Podcast is available on Facebook, Podbean, iTunes, and YouTube, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Now, here are your Friends in Recovery. Hey, welcome everybody. Friends in Recovery Podcast.com. I am Mike Miles, the Podfather. And I'm Jersey Ed. Yes, and we're here to uh, help everybody hopefully get sober and uh, fight this um, epidemic of addiction. And boy, there's a lot going on out there, Ed. Yeah, absolutely. Get sober. I like that. I, li- I like getting people sober. You do? And I like staying sober because yeah. that keeps me sober, getting, getting people yeah, sober. Well, I guess being a power of example uh, by staying sober day at a time. Um, it's a good thing, you know? Yeah, it's absolutely. A good thing. Absolutely. And, and we all know the progression of this disease can sneak up anytime and kill us. That's right. Fuck that's, us up. That's right. And uh, I really believe that, uh, you know, if, if, if you really want to get sober, no matter how bad your life is, um, we, we've all been there. Yeah, bills, absolutely. Bills get paid eventually. Don't worry about it. Uh, take care of yourself, you know? Yeah, yeah. Nobody cares. Work harder. That's right. Nobody cares. Work harder. That's, <laughs> that's right. That's it. That was said I, by a, a philosoph- uh, somebody with some real knowledge of philosophy. Somebody in this room, maybe, right? Was it? Was it sweet? It might have been sweet. What's up, sweet? Is that his motto? <laughs> that is his motto. That's Nobody his cares. Motto. Work harder. <laughs> that's right. That's right. I heard a good saying the other day uh, on one of my the podcasts. Uh, they said, "I'm f- fucked up from the floor up." Very nice, <laughs> and that's true, man. I am. Yeah, it's it, a toe. It, it doesn't just affect the brain, man. It affects everything when you're when you're not in the right space. You, you know, know, I use my ways to get here today, and I, it it always takes me on the um, most convenient way with the less tra- least amount of traffic. And I noticed uh, I used to fight ways. I used to say, "No, this thing is wrong," and I'm going <laughs> my own way, and I'd be in traffic. So it was 44 minutes. It said, "I th- I thought, Jesus, which way are we going today?" And uh, what a great ride I had coming here. I came through Boxford, um, all the way up through um, Raleigh, Boxford, um, up up the back way up to Ipswich, Danvers, over here. All back roads. It took me 46 minutes. So you, you were open to suggestion. I and you was. had a great experience. Wow. I sat wow. back and let the ways do its thing. Wow. And you 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 kind of applied the program well, to ways. I always want to be in control. <laughs> That's you know? it. Sometimes you just got to relinquish that control. Well, what's what's this? Uh, how it works? Isn't it in the big book? Yeah. The uh, yeah. we want to be the director, the producer, right. the Everything and that's when that's again that's when it gets fucked up from the floor up and uh, you know it's it's not it's not a good thing you, you know, know I used gotta, to I used to sit in those AA meetings and read those little corny signs live and let live I thought it said live and let live <laughs> you know and I thought who wrote this you know and uh, but there was one it said let go and let God and I was like nah, I don't know about that you know mm-hmm. I, I don't even know if I believe in God mm-hmm. but eventually when you do just let go sometimes let go let just let it go let it be and just participate yeah and i find that that's the best way for me yes and and that's that's yeah absolutely you just you know it's too much thinking and too much work when you try to fucking be to you know be that that person in the big book you know the 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 producer the director it just gets way too much and then then you don't can't focus on your life and can't understand what's going on and and why why you're in this position you're in you know yeah. if you didn't do what you were doing and and tell everybody you know to, to be like you, um, like me, and uh, not you, but everybody wants to be like sweet, I guess. But <laughs> tall and uh-huh. handsome, yes, that's right. <laughs> tall and handsome, right. yes, yes. So yes, it's yes, short, yes. fat, and gruesome, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, 
but no, that that's you know, it, it's it's just a good life being sober. But uh, real quick, I want to take care of some business here. And we, we do have a All guest. Right. Is this a lovely lady sitting to my right of me? And uh, we'll get to her in a minute. Um, hold on, I got to get my glasses on. Yeah. I can't see anymore. Mm. Um, we just we want to thank Genesis House for the lovely studio, absolutely um, supporting us here. Um, this keeps us going. Uh, Genesis House is a, a, a you know a wonderful. Um, uh, sponsor of ours and gets us gets us through these shows you know um, in addition uh, to friends and recovery podcast we hold the community events around the country um, we have a few right now going on in Voorhees New Jersey and Palm Springs Florida they are a monthly meeting coming soon Lowell Massachusetts you with your buddy Mike Bob Cox Bob Cox is gonna Bob he's Cox. also a alumni and been on several of our shows already um, check out some of the past shows um, that's Lowell, Massachusetts, and Newtown, Connecticut, starting in January, both of them. And don't forget, we are powered by your likes, follows, subscribes, and shares. It's so important you get it out there. Share it. Get this. Get the word out to everybody. Let everybody know what we're doing. And, and um, you know, the follows and, and subscribes helps, helps keep this going, um, along with Genesis House keeping us float money wise um you know the shares get get the word out so follow us on social media and um leave a review R leaving a review helps too that that gets a five-star review give us a five-star review scroll down to the end of that um the the show and you'll see uh, the reviews leave a five-star review and remember always looking for speakers to share their stories if you're a professional if you're an alumni whatever you are we want you to come in here we want you to talk uh, however you get wherever you're at alaska canada wherever we want you to get on the on the show and really uh um, kind of convey your message to our listeners out there and we do have a lot of listeners so yeah. do we have people in alaska listen to us uh i don't know we will have to check our uh, our stats okay <laughs> Sweets does that. Right. <laughs> Would you check on that? No, I'll, I'll, I'll check. I'll right. check. Good, good, right. good. Yeah, I'm sure they're listening. <laughs> they listen to us everywhere. So, um, so. and I think Maureen, uh, oh, we Kavanaugh, a, right? Yeah. Kavanaugh, yeah. yeah. I think she she kind of heard of us out there in, in the interweb, and she called us. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> so we have Maureen Kavanaugh with us today. Maureen is uh, geez, what what an incredible uh, woman here. She's a, she's an author. She's a mother. She's the president of Magnolia Recovery and Counseling Services. Is that correct? Uh, consulting, yeah. Consulting, yeah. okay. Oh, yeah, that's right, consulting. <laughs> Maybe I need glasses. And she, <laughs> and she doesn't smoke cigars. I don't, so. yeah. Well, <laughs> I do you. now. Yeah, I'm she does today. today. <laughs> yes. She, uh, she's a very attractive woman, and she's sporting a huge diamond ring. It's I am. Blinding <laughs> me, blinding me right blinding now. Blinding me. <laughs> but it's a lovely ring. Congratulations on your engagement. Thank yes. you very much. So Thank Ma you very much. Maureen, tell us a little bit about yourself, or a lot about yourself. Yeah, um, I mean, this is not something I ever expected to do. I was a special education teacher. I come from um, a, a family full of uh, addiction. I was actually taken away from my parents when I was in my teens because of uh, the drug and alcohol use in the house. So m the thought of, of going into this field or working in this field was so off the table I can't even <laughs> begin to tell you it wasn't even like uh, a possibility as a matter of fact I moved far enough away that I was I, I, I mistakenly thought I was never going to have to deal with any of this right <laughs> and we all know that uh, you know addiction is 50% genetic and um, I had four children and unfortunately one of them became addicted to heroin so um, I was thrust back into into this whole life of, of dealing with somebody with a substance use disorder and um, I, um, you know, kind of 
acted like a maniac, like a lot of parents, you know, sure. a lot of mothers do. But I think I was probably the queen of all maniacs because it was worthy <laughs> of a book. And, um, you know, it's like everybody's crazy, but the, like the super, super crazy one gets a book. Um, and I, 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 it's my book is called If You Love Me, A Mother's Journey Through Her Daughter's Opioid Addiction, which is um, the paperback is coming out in January. And they renamed the subtitle to be a mother's journey through her daughter's addiction and recovery. So you're here to hawk your book. Is that what it a is? A little always, you know. <laughs> Absolutely. And it's a great book. It is a great book. Mike actually, I mean, Sweets of, actually of the read very, it. Of the very few books that I've read, I read Maureen's book well, and it was amazing. tormented him until he read it, but he did, he did read well, it. Sweets, you know how to read? <laughs> Just that book. Oh, okay. Just All right. Well, and your book, I'm sure. I didn't read it. Oh, you didn't read your book? I didn't okay. read my book. <laughs> I still haven't read my book. <laughs> but, I mean, the reason I wrote the book is because I knew when I was going through this, there were so many people that were um, going through the same thing. Of course, in the beginning, I thought it was just me. I knew logically it wasn't just me, but you feel like it's just you. And um, I found it very hard to find information or connect with anybody else that was going through this. And it, it made it really hard because just like with addiction, isolation is the worst thing for anybody. Mm -hmm. So um, I wanted to reach out. People said, oh, reach out and, and, you know, get help, get talk to people. And it's like, oh, there's yeah. nobody to reach right, out right, to. Right. And this is a while ago and things have gotten better. But um, in this desperate effort to help my own daughter, I connected with people. I researched things and I, I saw a lot of gaps. And one of the gaps I saw was that there was no way to connect. Mm -hmm. So I created an organization called um, Magnolia New Beginnings, which is a nonprofit. And um, there's two things that Magnolia New Beginnings does. Uh, one of them is a support group, support network for people that are that um, have a family member or a loved one that's struggling with addiction and, and they're trying to be their support person. So we have about 25,000 members now in, wow. that, in that group. They're online. And um, if you know anybody goes to magnoliaunibeginnings.org, they can find all, the list of all the different kinds of support groups we have. Super. Wow. We have about 11,000 uh, separate groups with about 11,000 members in recovery. Wow. And we, they're heavily monitored. We don't want anybody selling anything or you know doing anything shady in any of the groups. So we've been really careful with that. Lots of information and lots of ability to connect with other people that are going through the same mm. thing. And how, how is your daughter doing now? My daughter is the most amazing person in the entire world. She's awesome. She's got about two and a half years. And this is kind of the person that that nobody really thought was mm -hmm. going to make it. You know, right. she was in over 40 treatment centers. She, um, let's say she overdosed 13 times to the point of death that she went to the hospital and probably another 20 times that she was narcan and um just you know it was an, it was it was awful and we all went through the you know this same awful roller coaster but she certainly is my hero because <laughs> anybody that can overcome that is just the bravest um mm -hmm. person in the sure. whole world so. i love i love the title um talk about the title there's got to be a you know something behind that well there is actually um uh the title is if you love me because one night she came home after another um reoccurrence or another relapse and was sitting on my, some beautiful fabulous sober friends brought her home at three o'clock in the morning they went looking for her and finally found her and um, brought her home at three o'clock in the morning she had been doing really well too and she was sitting on my on my kitchen floor and she was just destroyed you know because she was doing really well she had this great support system she had plans and uh, it was all falling apart mm -hmm. again and um, she I looked down at her and I told her two things she already knew and I said honey Katie I love you so much and you're gonna die 
And she looked back up at me and she said, if you love me, you'd let me die. Mm. And God. that's where the title of the book came yeah. from. But that's also when I, fir- when I really, I thought I understood, but that's when I really understood. Right. You yeah. Know? yeah, absolutely. Because you can't, I mean, I, I, nobody can feel what another person feels. Mm. And when it's your child, you're, it's as close as possible, you know, uh, that you think you can. But I realized that I couldn't, and I didn't, mm-hmm. and that really also, I also realized that the only one I could really have any impact on was me. Well, you know, Mike and I can definitely identify with that, Maureen, because we have kids that are in recovery also, and, and they're doing well, too. And I like how you, you I don't know if it's like it, but I, I like how you describe it. It's a roller coaster, mm-hmm. and, um, you know, life with an addict is a roller coaster. It's, it's insane. It goes up and down. Um, when they want something, they're very happy and very, you know, very good with you know manipulating us and mm-hmm. getting what we want and uh getting what they want and then the roller coaster hits and uh you know next thing you know they're ODing or they're running somewhere and you can't find them and you know your life is non-stop roller coaster you, you just you get those ups and downs and you know at some point you know i didn't even want to know about what was going on with my daughter is is that kind of how you you were at, at a point I, you know, I, I guess towards the end, I started to realize what I could do, what I couldn't do, and and that being so enmeshed in everything she was doing was not healthy for either mm-hmm. one of us. But um, I, it was years of of no, sure. not not feeling that way at all. Mm-hmm. Really wanting to just kind of climb inside her skin and and do this for her, mm-hmm. and that was really you know not healthy. It wasn't yeah. it was certainly wasn't healthy for me, but it wasn't productive for her either. Yeah, and um. You know, and, and the in the book you can see the progression of that. So you see me kind of, you know, going from being this maniac where the book opens up with me going after somebody with a baseball bat, <laughs> which I know that you I, Irish girls, I, know, I, I know. love you. It's funny. So my my her dad is. Um, a correction officer and I'm in the car and I'm talking to him as, as I'm driving to go kill this person with a baseball bat that we both <laughs> wanted to kill and I had decided it was very you know somebody was talking sure. to me the other day about um about when when you have this when you have a craving and you just go out and you relapse again and you don't even know what happened mm-hmm. and and you know you you you're like it's almost like it's over and right. then you're like oh my god what did I do mm-hmm. It was the same kind of feeling. Mm. It was like I know what I need to do. I need to kill him, mm-hmm. and it seemed like the perfect, right. like perfectly reasonable thing to a do. A judge is going to believe it. Everybody's going to understand like, it. I'm gonna, <laughs> nobody's going to put me in jail. Gonna I'm going to be on the cover of Time magazine <laughs> yeah, right, with the baseball bat. <laughs> so, but it wasn't even like thought, uh, like a real thought process. It was just this thing that I was all of a sudden found myself doing. Is and I'm driving there, and I, I'm talking to my ex, who's a correction officer and who's from Ireland, and um, and I'm, you know, in retrospect, I think he really probably should have said Maureen what are you doing but instead he said don't get caught yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh I like this guy <laughs> so the, I mean, so this is this actually the sure. book is really very funny because if I didn't have a sense of humor and <laughs> if my my daughter didn't have a sense of humor we wouldn't have made right. it but I know I thought it was perfectly reasonable for the majority of this to be totally like in everything that she was doing mm-hmm. and and i thought that i could save her and that i was the answer to everything you know that i was going to help her and oh god but you know it, so it took a lot of pain to get to the mm-hmm. point where i realized that um that's not how it was going to happen mm-hmm, that right. she was going to have to do this herself unfortunately yeah, yeah. as much as i wanted to do it for her yeah. i didn't want her to have to feel any of this yeah, yeah. well and, Friends in Recovery Podcast. We're going to take a quick break. Quick break we'll be yeah. right back and um, talking to Maureen Kavanaugh, and we'll be back. 
Since 1992, Genesis House has been helping real people heal from addiction on their private recovery campus in beautiful Palm Beach County, Florida. Their family-owned program is accredited by the Joint Commission and offers detox and dual diagnosis treatment in a comfortable and confidential setting. At Genesis House, they focus on treating the underlying causes of addiction. Their comprehensive approach includes psychiatric care, individual and small group therapy, trauma healing techniques, and holistic care including yoga, massage, and animal-assisted therapy. After treatment, their clients enjoy the lifelong support of a nationwide network of Genesis House alumni. Call Genesis House today at 1-800-737-0933 to speak with someone who understands. Visit them on the web at www.genesishouse.net. It's time to start your journey to a long and successful recovery. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Friends in Recovery Podcast.com. Uh, we're here with, uh, I am the uh, the pod father, I need to say that. Yes, you are. And I'm sitting here with Jersey Ed. That's me. Hello, hello, everybody. In the lovely uh, Maureen Kavanaugh. Absolutely. And uh, Mike, one thing I forgot to do, Maureen, we're, I just want to take a quick uh, second here to give our podcast pick of the week. You guys should have flagged me down. I forgot mm. to say, you know, I get emails saying, oh, give me another podcast. Give me another podcast. Well, listen, Friends in Recovery. What the fuck, man? Come on. This is the show. But I'll give you a po- another podcast pick of the week. So um, let me put my glasses on. Um, it's called Recovered Podcast. Um, the host is Mark S. It's a podcast where um, life is seen through AA point of view, which is pretty cool. Um, this guy kind of just takes you through um, situations and, and information on, on life through an AA point of view. Um, this, this is the impressive part. This show has been on since 2007 and there's over a thousand episodes now so um they're doing something right i mean i think we're are we near a thousand episodes we're, we're getting close yeah we're we are close, right yeah. okay all right right now right joe rogan yeah, 1300 exactly episodes, exactly, yeah. exactly so but that's our podcast pick of the week I, I forgot to say it at the beginning of the show but it's called recovered podcast and find it on any of your your favorite podcast catchers and, recovered uh, with a d ed? d yeah yeah like like jersey covered like okay. jersey ed <laughs> very good and um now we were sorry maureen i stole some of your time away <laughs> no, but, that's quite all right. but uh, i get it i'm gonna get an email if i didn't uh, put one of our podcast we picks of the week no no <laughs> so. so maureen we were talking uh you, you had me captivated with uh you had a baseball bat and you were going to kill the uh the guy that was uh, harming yeah. your daughter so let's let's pick that up where we were sure. and also could you just talk a little bit about enabling because i know sure. there's a lot of mothers and wives and daughters and sons and brothers out there yeah. listening mm-hmm. um you yeah, know you know and, and and people always think that that was her the uh, that was her dealer or that was you know but it wasn't it was somebody who was a very sick individual who um who enjoyed uh narcanning her and uh, letting you know getting her to the point where she would die he would buy drugs for her he mm-hmm. kept her at his house he hid her from us and then he would text me after he narcanned her and tell told me that i should be very grateful Ugh. that um that uh, he narcanned her because, meanwhile, he's he's buying her the drugs. But he, I, we, I should be very grateful, and I should really be thanking him. Right. And I would block his number, and he would change his number, and <sighs> he was just like just a sick, sick man. <sighs> and um, he's no longer with us. Oh, that's wonderful. Oh, oh well. And I didn't kill him. <laughs> <laughs> Are you sure? Well, <laughs> nobody saw me anyhow. 
<laughs> you took the advice from the ex. I like that. Oh, God. Well, you know, pe- people like that, there's a special place in hell for people yeah. like that. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, no. Maybe, maybe yeah. he's there now. Yeah, no, exactly. I know. I, well, I promised him I was going to dance on his grave, and I can't find it. So, and I don't want it to lie. So I've There's this to... thing called the internet. Yeah. Oh, trust me. <laughs> the day will it. come. I will find it. <laughs> um, I was talking to a corrections officer the other day, um, and uh, he, he said that, that um, there's people like, just like you're talking, it, it, there are predators. That's what they are. Yeah, they, they, was, yeah. yeah they, they love, pre- you know, preying on these on these people who are weak and vulnerable. And um, there's there's um, it, it was just a long story that that uh, him and I had a long long uh, conversation him and I had, and and he was uh, describing this person, and those people don't do well in jail, um, from what he was saying. And the corrections officer, and if your husband was a, is a correction mm-hmm. officer, he probably turns his head too. Um, those people get treated the way they need to be treated when they when they get caught and thrown in jail. So uh, J- just on that point, there was a gentleman that uh, murdered two doctors in Boston. Uh, I saw that. Yeah. Right, and he got sentenced, and, and he, he had the audacity and, 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 and the hatred in his heart to oh. turn to the family of one of the doctors and say, "Do you do you want to know what your son's last words were?" <gasps> you know, and all I could think of is, you know what, he has no idea what he's about to face <sighs> when he goes to jail. No, I don't think. He's going to be around long. I think people will be dancing on his grave. So, yeah. Yeah. so Maureen, uh, how sick people out yeah, there. Yeah, there is. It's Talk about enabling. Uh, uh, as a father, um, you know, uh, I've been down this road. Um, I'm a recovering addict myself. I don't, I think I enabled myself. I lived alone. I, I had some issues and stuff. But uh, as a father, I know I enabled. Um, oh God, I enabled. But um, talk on that, would you please? Yeah, I don't know. Um I don't know if I enabled so much as I was totally and completely enmeshed. So um, I think I had really good physical boundaries, but I had no um, I had no um, emotional boundaries. So everything she did, we both went through it. Like you know what I mean? She'd call me, and I'd be I'd jump and. I did things like that. Right. Didn't give her any money. I, mm-hmm. She didn't live in my house while she was using drugs. That was one of my boundaries. I thought I was doing good, mm-hmm. right. but I, I really wasn't because I was, um, I was, you know, like, like my whole life was taken over mm-hmm. <clears throat> by her addiction. And, um, so I did a lot of the, a lot of the things that they, you know, I, a lot of the things that we're told is that are not, aren't good. I didn't do. And I did a lot of the right things, but I, I did the really did the wrong thing by myself and and then in her in turn by becoming so enmeshed in her entire mm-hmm. life and and thinking that I was somehow the answer to this when everybody you know p- people are the answer to them to their own problems yeah. but there's there's no handbook to first of all parenting right. you know when when we have a kid um you know I was 23 years old when I had my first kid and you know there was no handbook handed to us and then let alone all the problems that come along in life and right. and you know especially this curveball that's thrown at you right. and no, you don't you don't know what no. to do and you want to protect your kid that's what that's that's the only thing we do and anybody out there listening when you're enabling your kid and you know kind of what you're doing out there and and you're you're really protecting your kid but in if you think about it and you really sit down and think it through you're really hurting them because it's, and I'm not saying that you, but I'm just mm. saying out there when, when we enable it, I was doing the same thing. Um, you well, know, there's always things I wish I, you know, if I right. look back, I would rather have, of course, done, and yeah. her father and I, we were no longer married, but, um, it took us a little while to be on the same page and to come together. That mm-hmm. was the most, probably one of the most important things is we were working as a team yes. and, and had, and we're talking to each other about everything that was going on because she tried to use one against the other for a little bit. But, um, there's this great study that's just come out of the University of Texas Tech that's still going on, um, and they're doing functional MRI testing on, on the parents' brains. Mm. So now we know 
that when somebody has a craving, the part of the brain, there's a part of the brain that lights up. We can actually see it. Right. But now they're doing um, this uh, functional MRIs on parents when they're presented with the idea of getting a loved one or a child into, um, not necessarily parents, but loved ones, getting someone into treatment. Um, the same part of the brain lights up that does mm-hmm. that lights up when someone has a right. craving, yeah. well, and that's I think what it feels like. I mean, we're just you become like I I know I'm doing the wrong thing, but I have to do it. Mm-hmm. So they're doing this is a continuing st- study. The doctors' names are Shumway and Bradshaw, and um, I'm really looking forward to seeing how this goes because I think that we all know as parents what it feels like to feel like we have to do this thing that we know we shouldn't do. But we have to do. This is the exception. I have to do it anyway, you know. And I think that there was lots of times when I did stuff sure. like that. Yeah. And we we know there's so many people out there that don't have a good night's sleep until their child, a loved one, is in treatment yeah. and they're in a safe spot or jail yeah. or, or jail. Or jail. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And you know the yeah. jails. I worked <laughs> in the jail back in the 70s when I first got out of the service and. You know, they've changed. I've worked in the jail most recently, too. I was the EAP for the Baricka House of Correction, Middlesex mm-hmm. County, for three and a half years. And, you know, the sheriff out there, Peter Katusian, he he's changed. He, he's, he's, he's changing with the times. He has a program for it's, it's addicts, right? Crazy. Because 99% of the people in jail are there because of the, the direct use and abuse of alcohol yep. and drugs. Yep. No right. questions asked. That's yep. what it's about. Yep, yeah, absolutely. So I taught, in, I taught in jail for a short amount of time, and I and I found the same thing, you mm-hmm. know? And um, also... We're releasing people and without any place to go after after jail, which is not exactly. going to help anybody. Setting them up for failure. Yeah. So part of what Magnolia does, the nonprofit <coughs> does, also is to raise money for sober living. Wow. And we, I work with the Department of Corrections. We give out a lot of our scholarships. We have a very precise way. We don't give them to private private people off the street. People can't call me for a scholarship. We give them out through um, mass health treatment centers. Uh, departments of corrections and uh, drug courts wow. and it's typically somebody who has absolutely nobody no right. financial resources right. Right. <clears throat> and if not for this scholarship they'd be going to the street after working really hard on their um on their recovery right so and that's you know not going to help yeah. anybody either I'll, I'll say one thing about getting old and i'm the oldest person in the room here and i'm <laughs> usually the oldest person in a lot of rooms <laughs> but what i like what i like about being where <laughs> i'm at now is i've seen society change with changing they have a long way to go but with this opioid uh, epidemic you know um years ago back in the 80s lowell was a city where it was just inundated with with uh, heroin addicts and in and, and drug houses and you know hundreds of them mm-hmm. and, and they were shut down and, and that was good but then we got the fentanyl and then we had all these kids dying these these last you know seven eight years but it's starting to change and when I, you just talked about your your foundation um it, to me it's it, 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 it just warms my heart to know that there are people that get out of jail that have absolutely nothing. They have the clothes on their back mm-hmm. and not even a dollar in their pocket. <laughs> and and how, how does anyone expect them to go forward and not go back to the, what they were doing? That's exactly where they're going to go. Yeah. So the, yeah. the, there is hope, and it's really good to see that. And hopefully in another five, six years, we're, we're going to be in a place where things will be getting yeah. Um, well, yeah, and, and better. So. Yeah, and these jails are crammed with people that, that don't have a place to go. And now there's some hope out there with, you know, with your foundation, Maureen, and and, uh, um, you know, it, it, it's just a wonderful thing. It's just amazing. I've never heard that before. And I never, I never thought that process through. You know, once you're in jail, you get out, you're, you're rehabilitated, you're not going to do it again. That's not always, probably 99% not necessarily a problem. Um, it's kind of like when you get out of treatment. That when, when they leave Genesis House, there's a plan set up for them. There's aftercare. There's AA. There's, you know, so I'm sure, you know, jail is 
no different than than going to a treatment center except for you did something wrong because a lot of people walk into that that you know state-funded treatment center in in massachusetts which is what we we work with and they walk in literally with the clothes on their back right i mean my daughter's thing was she always lost her shoes Mm, she so she would have clothes on her back and no 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 shoes shoes. right right yeah Yeah. so (laughs) i mean but i and i Thank you know she had us she had us we, we and we had insurance too mm-hmm. so she was in, in a much better position than right. than mo- than you know nine out of ten people but I that's and that's what I I'm kind of a person that sees gaps and I saw the gap there yeah. and um and thought well you know what if we're going to raise money we should be raising money for um people in that situation right. because some people work so hard oh, yeah. and the light's gone off and everybody can see it yeah. and they know that they're going to do it this time and then they walk out the door and they have the clothes on their back and nowhere to live yeah. and come on how yeah. do we i mean you, it can still be done but it, it's so much harder oh yeah yeah, so, yeah absolutely. Um, absolutely well i watched this um this podcast called collateral damage and you sound like um, somebody that is on that and sweets you sound like that person too I do is there some is that your brother and your sister or is no, that something no. you guys want to <laughs> you want to reveal something there yeah well we have a uh, we have a show called collateral damage oh Ma- you do Maureen and I yeah, yeah we uh, we talk a lot about uh, very similar topics yeah. you know our, yeah. our guests are very similar and you know the idea is uh, you know there's a lot of collateral damage that happens within the family system and there's a lot of you know to your point um, you know the there's no handbook. So, mm-hmm. I mean, there's a lot of people out there that are dealing with something that, you know, they have no reason to know how to deal with. You know, they, they use all of their regular parenting skills and then they, they find that those fall short, mm-hmm. you know, because regular parenting doesn't apply when it comes to addiction. You get desperate, you get, you know, emotional and you start to do things like you said, Maureen, outside of your um Outside of your normal comfort zone, you're you're getting you're getting desperate. You're running around with bats, looking to kill people. And, yeah, and you know, that wasn't even the craziest thing I did. <laughs> no, <laughs> sure it was. It's just a great way to start a book, though. Uh, but you know, when it's you great run, way to start a podcast. Yeah, <laughs> and when you run into that, you need somebody else to step in and give you better tools. Sure. And, you know, that's what Maureen's uh, uh, consulting service does, and that's what so many different agencies do. Is that now they're focusing on the family, whereas for years. The primary focus was on that that individual and getting them well so they could come back and just relive their life. But mm-hmm. families get sick with the individual. Yeah, and absolutely. so, you know, on our podcast, we like to talk about the same topic and educate those parents and family members and give them new tools. Sure. Yeah. I've had I've had mothers and fathers um, that have actually put their children on allowances like 60 bucks a day so they could get two thirties, mm. you know, two yeah. uh, 30 milligram um Percocets, uh, whatever they were using, and and that was the best they could do. And I, I'm not knocking them at all. I, I I applaud them trying, but just think of that. Think of how sick you have to be, mm-hmm. you know. To, to and and I had another guy who'd go buy the drugs because his son had been arrested so many times in that area. He didn't want his son to be arrested again. Yep. Well, mm-hmm. let me tell you this. So my friend's mother uh, used to do that for us. My friend uh, Jimmy and I, we were living in his garage and we were doing oxy 80s. This is back in uh, early 2000s. And, um, you know, she, old school Greek, had absolutely no idea what we were doing. She just knew that when we were sick, he couldn't go to work and he couldn't function. And so she came out to the garage one day when he didn't show up at the family restaurant. And she's like, what's wrong with you? And we said, we're sick. And she goes, sick from drugs? And we were like, yeah. And she goes, well, how much money do you need for the drugs so that you're not sick? And we told her. We were like, we need $120 so we can go get two pills. And she said, all right. And she left $120 on the kitchen table. Right. And we got the pills, and he went to work. Happy and days I here. My thing. And then so every morning, she would leave $120 wow. on the kitchen table for right. us. Wow. And it was just this kind of unspoken thing right. of like, 
well, if that's what you need to function, then I'll just give it to you because I'd rather have you at work functioning than sitting in the garage like a drug addict. And so in her mind, it was as long as you can get up and go to work, you're not an addict. And it was just old school thinking. But she she brought what she had to the table, mm-hmm. and that's the best yeah. she could that's do. That's what yeah. she knew. Yeah. And, and, exa- and as crazy as it sounds, you know that yeah. that's what we're forced to do. You yeah. know, they say yeah. alcohol and drugs take us to places we don't want to be, doing things we don't want to do Absolutely. with people we don't want to be with. And you know, I can relate. We can all relate. And uh, what a remarkable um, uh, f- present you have now. And I mean, to, to get where you where you are at now, Maureen. I mean, you've been through a lot of pain and suffering, I'm sure. But um, if if you could go back. In time, which I'm, I'm sure you, it's a painful place. Um, oh, to the painful place. Okay, I was going back to like the womb. <laughs> back to like 18, That's 19. comfortable. Yeah, I bet you. I bet you wanted to go back to the womb a few times. I know I did. <laughs> yeah. But uh, if you could, if you could go back, um, what what is there anything you would have done differently? Um, something oh. that would be tangible, uh, something that people could could grasp right now and, and say, well, I'm going to use this. Um, yeah, and maybe not go that way. You know, it's it's funny because I asked my daughter, did I do it? What did I do wrong? What did I do right? Because thank God I have the I have I'm able to do that because she's still with me, you right. know. And let's face it, this was right. just this was luck is right. all it was right. because she probably overdosed 30 times. Wow. So it, it you know, there's no it's an understanding why some people make it and some people right. don't because no rhyme or reason. Right, no. there's no rhyme or reason. I didn't do anything differently. I don't have any magic answer or anything like that. And I work with families now. So part of what I do is I'm a family recovery coach and I meet with families and I have an office in North Reading. I do it online. I have clients all over the country. People that like me that just needed somebody to help them gui- help guide them through right. um, through this mess. Right. And um, I wish I had had that. I, I, I wish I had had somebody to go to for questions. Right. As far, my daughter tells me the things that I did right was that I was always, always there and right. calm. And believe it or not, I really was calm. Even when right. I was going to kill somebody, I right. was calm. You were calm, right? It's an amazing ability. Right. And that she always knew that I loved her. Right. Because I am not one of those tough love people that thinks you think you cut somebody off right. and you no, don't talk to them no. and get, yeah. get back to right. me when you're six right. months sober. Yeah. I mean, I think that's horrifying, actually. Right. And I think right. I've never been, right. I, I've seen lots of people right. lose their children. Right. And I've seen people that had that approach lose their children and those are the the that's got to be the worst feeling absolutely in the whole world. because it's almost like you're throwing in the towel when you say right. come back to me you're giving them no tools at all no no direction mm-hmm. just come back to me when you're sober god I, almighty that's that's a and horrible i know existence. people that are afraid of their own children and they have right to be right and, oh, and i'm so too. i'm not encouraging families if you're afraid of your child and if they're dangerous to go you know invite them in the house and, and into their old bedroom i'm not encouraging right. that mm-hmm. at right. all right. but you can always tell somebody you love them mm-hmm. even if you can't be with right. them even if you can't right. physically be with them right. you can let them know that they're loved because love them, love them from a distance absolutely <laughs> yeah. because yeah. It, you know whatever works in that family and every family is different mm-hmm. i don't know what i would have done differently mm-hmm. to tell you the truth because as horrible as this this was wonderful things came out of it of course the nonprofit came out of it i i was a special education teacher before this i wound up um I wound up creating a whole business and a whole, you know, um, a nonprofit and the and the support groups and a, and counseling that helps lots and lots of people. Mm-hmm. My daughter on the other side of this, after um, you know two and a half years, she got on the Vivitrol shot, did a, an amazing amount of work on herself to figure out how she got there, why she stuck, why she why she stayed there, and how not to go back. Mm-hmm. Work and that created a safety net, you know, for her to be able to do that work. And um, on the other side of this, she's the most amazing person I know. <laughs> so 
I don't know. You well, know? you know, I, I like what you said about being calm. Um, being calm through situations always helps things out, it, 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 even in the worst of situations. Like yeah. you said, I'm gonna go. I was gonna go kill this guy, and you were calm. And, <laughs> but but you didn't, and you thought yeah. it through somewhere down the road. But somebody, when you get in that rage or you get crazy and, and you don't calm down, if you went to kill that guy and you you succeeded or or you beat the shit out of him, you wouldn't be sitting here. You might be in jail. I mean, that literally, that's that's what yeah. could happen. You know, yeah. I, I, no, yeah, I you're right. You know, it's, but yeah. but it's you know, I I ended up doing an intervention on my daughter, me, my wife, my ex wife, my um. One of my daughters, we went down to Florida. She was in Florida, and this intervention got really heated. And and I, I completely forgot about this until you said something. Um, she, um, her boyfriend, who was doing about, not not the same thing, but just mm-hmm. keeping her high and all that, ends up showing up at the intervention with with drugs for her in her car with an open bottle, open can of um, beer. And uh, I ran over there, and I was not calm, um, and I ended up. Screaming and yelling, my my, uh, my brother-in-law carries a gun. I'm like, get gun, Greg, give me that fucking gun. Give me that gun. And Greg's like, whoa. And the interventionist is like, listen, Eddie. He goes, this is not about you. This is about mm-hmm. your daughter and getting her. So that's when I realized that calm needed to be set in place. And once we all calmed down and we got him out of there and, and it went the right way. Yeah, so yeah. I applaud you for staying calm. I think... I well, think you did everything I right was, the way. I was not always calm. <laughs> well, I was calm in front of her. Well, that's, yeah, exactly, yeah. Yeah, yeah and yeah. Um, I mean, and, and now I, you know, I feel like I'm able to help parents get to that point where they're able to do things like that, not just from my own experiences, but all of the trainings I've spent the last couple of years taking, most importantly, I think, is is um, the training that um, Sweets provides. Mm-hmm. Wow. Hey, he's and an amazing guy. Thank you, thank you for that plug. <laughs> no, but it's true. I mean, I've done lots and lots of trainings, and that intervention yeah. training, I've done several intervention trainings, and um, that intervention training was the most meaningful because a lot of the things that are going on right now, uh, the, even the trainings and the, uh, what little there is, I'm creating a family recovery mm-hmm. coaching curriculum and training so that I can train both uh, social workers and uh, and just families with lived experience in in what they should know right and even to whether it's to deal with a family member or to um or or to in their practice because we can't expect people that haven't been through this to understand what it's like to go through it's like speaking a foreign language absolutely but a lot of these the the programs that were have been written were written 20 25 years ago right Mm -hmm. and it's not the same world anymore unfortunately nothing nothing in this in this nothing treatment field is different now is is all different now sweets if you don't mind what was that training um just for the listeners and just a curiosity uh, maybe so, somebody listening out there can yeah so about a year from uh, yeah, about a year ago um i took the liberty of creating uh, an intervention training program uh you know as maureen said there's a lot of programs out there that you know they're based on recycled information so mm-hmm. instead of just taking one and adopting it i took one and i created it from the ground up and it was more focused on the family systems and you know a lot of the stuff that maureen does now uh, and the idea, of course, is to try to train interventionists to be a little bit more sensitive of the family system and focused on the big picture mm-hmm. instead of just getting someone through the door of treatment. You mm-hmm. know, you are uh, uh, you're a champion for change when you're sitting there with a the family. They, you, know, you talked about being calm. You know, when an interventionist comes in and they seem like not only do they know what they're doing, not only do they seem like they're going to get your loved one into treatment, but they're invested in your family system and changing the long-term outcomes, you can have confidence in that person and you actually can find that you're a little bit more calm, you have hope, you have uh, belief that things are gonna change, and the family system is more willing to take your advice and direction. Mm -hmm. So that 
certified family-focused intervention model um, is what we created over at Bay State. And, uh, you know, we've been doing that. You know, we've got about 60 students in the last year. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the idea is to change the way that those people on the front lines are addressing this issue. And yeah. Maureen is a, a perfect example. She's one of the very few that I decided to, uh, to, to bring in and actually work with me uh, and participate in interventions, and she's done great. Yeah. Right. Nice. Yeah, I mean, it's been in, in, in that piece about, you know, it's not over when they go into treatment. Mm-hmm. Now it's the time for yes, the family to come so together and start working on themselves yeah. because this is a family disease. It affects right. everybody, brings the whole family down. Right. And what happens is untrained and uneducated, and I don't mean, you know, book educated. I mean educated in this. Your loved one can go to treatment and then come home, and you will mess them up in 30 seconds. Yep, you know, so you yeah. can bring them right back to where yeah, they were before. Yeah. And you do this with love, and you yeah. don't understand what you're oh, doing. Yeah. Yeah. So th- this is not something we innately know how to do, mm-hmm. you know? So I think that, you know, there's, there's just that's another, that's another gap, you know? Well, I, th- I think the big misnomer is a lot of addicts and alcoholics, um, they believe they're only hurting themselves. They don't realize. Mm-hmm. They think they're only hurting themselves because they're in so much pain, right. they're in so much turmoil, their life is just upside down, and they think, hey, I'm just hurting myself. Mm-hmm. They have no idea. And mm-hmm. I was an alcoholic, and I am an alcoholic and drug addict, and I didn't realize the pain I was bringing to my family. Mm. You know, I did not know. But then as a father, and, and as a recovery you know, a specialist and, and a therapist and everything, I see it now. And you're so right about, someone said about 25 years ago how, how it was different. Exactly, and you can't just keep regurgitating stuff that was right. written 25 years ago. No. With this opioid and, and fentanyl epidemic is entirely different. It is part of addiction, and it, but it's a it's a huge addiction. Mm. It's not it's not. You're talking death, instant death sometimes. Yeah, quick, too. Yeah. It's not yeah. you don't have 15 years of Uncle no. Joe drinking too much, exactly. and now we have to talk to him. Exactly. It's not Amen. the same thing. Amen, yeah. absolutely. Um, you know, um, Sweets, when I met you years ago, 10 years ago, that was your philosophy mm-hmm. um, when you started. It was give or eight years ago, whatever it was, when you started your interventions. Mm-hmm. And I called upon you to do an intervention for me. And, you know, eight years ago, 10 years ago, I was used to the interventionist calling the person on the phone, meeting them the next day, and doing the intervention. You were like, well, I'm going to have to meet with the family. I'm like, what the fuck is he talking about? Meet with the family. Are you out of your mind? Get this shit done. Get this kid into treatment. But you were kind of a a pioneer in that. And, uh, you know, that is so true now. And that's almost the standard that that we need to work with these families. Get these families. um, John Kelly, who I I always bring up on the show, he was another one with Mm -hmm. the families. He he, he kind of put forged me that way. But you kind of set it in in stone when when I met you. And I kind of understood all that, that. Like Maureen said, um, you know, once once the families come back, uh, once they come back into the families, they can fuck things up again. There's right. there's times in um, Genesis House we won't let the families talk to the client because they can undo everything that the therapist did in a month in mm-hmm. five minutes. So right. you know, well, it's the it's a sick tree, sick forest. You know what I mean? You yeah. take a sick tree out of a sick forest and you get the little tree well and you put it back in a sick forest, they get sick. Mm-hmm. You know the the philosophy I've had from the beginning is that. You know, you can't, as an interventionist or as a professional, as anybody in this industry that's working with addicts and alcoholics and addiction and recovery, is that you can't be led by the fear and desperation and emotion of the family to rush in and do something that takes time. Mm -hmm. You know, you're talking about something that's taken months, years, possibly decades to manifest itself into what it is today. And if you're going to step in and you hope to affect any real change whatsoever, 
then as a professional, it's your responsibility to take the time, A, to do it right, mm -hmm. and then B, not to be led by the family's fear and desperation yeah. to overreact or overreach. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And that's hard to do, especially oh, yeah. when the that's family right. is like, I want it done now, or another professional saying, you need to do it tomorrow. And then as a professional, you have to step back and say, if you want me to do it right, I have to slow it down. Absolutely. Right? Yeah, absolutely. And there's nothing worse than going to a wake or a funeral, and as you're standing in line or going through the line, and the family members will say, who is that, or who is that? And the family member will say, that's the therapist Johnny was seeing or mm -hmm. Julie was seeing. Mm -hmm. And, and they, you, you don't know how low you feel because you feel so responsible, even though you might have nothing to do with it I at all. I felt that. You mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? It's and it's an awful place to be. Right. And the anxiety and panic I got going to a couple of wakes was just insurmountable. And I really had to put myself together to make myself walk in knowing that that's possibly going to happen. And, yeah. and the difference is, is if you did it right, you can walk through that That's line, right. you can shake the Correct. hand, you can look them in the eyes knowing you did everything That's you possibly right. could That's and that right. you did it the right, right. way. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That's, That's why if anybody do. says they have the answer, every answer is different for mm -hmm. every family. Absolutely. And whatever their answer is, I always feel like you have to be do it from a place of love mm -hmm. because everybody's angry, everybody's tired. Mm -hmm. You can't you can't do affect change or you can't handle this problem. Mm -hmm. With that, with those emotions, no. you have to do everything from a place of love. Absolutely. Let the person know that they're loved, and yeah. and I I know that you believe the same thing, uh, uh, you know, and that's how your interventions are done. But it's got it's it's got to all be from a place of love, so that mm -hmm. if if anything happens, and I can say this to parents, because <clears throat> I know what it feels like to know that every the only time I knew she was alive was when she was on the phone with me or in front of me, mm -hmm. because she, you know she was overdosing so much that I never knew from day to day, and I had to be able to live with myself and right. whatever I did or said mm -hmm. and um, I think that's what kept me uh, calm because mm -hmm. I, I mean not that I was in, not internally calm yeah. <clears throat> but calm and loving with her yeah. because yelling at somebody and screaming at somebody and threatening them and, and right. being angry with them mm -hmm. is never helped. Nope. Yeah. It just doesn't It's only going to hinder. Oh, it's yeah. just going to make you feel like, oh my God, what do, what did I do if yeah. I do lose this person? Because yeah. this is a potentially fatal disease. Oh yeah. Oh, it's, it, yeah, it's definitely, I mean, not too many people survive it now, like you were saying before with the heroin and everything, you know, we used to try to drink ourselves to death, but that took a long time. It took a long time. You, right? you know, you get some fentanyl and you're, you're done and what you can use one time and you can die, you know, mm -hmm. and, and, and there, this is a, you know, but, but going back to the family thing, um, you know, now the, the families nowadays have more support. They have more, um, you know, when, when my son went to treatment 15 years ago, 13 years mm -hmm. ago, the support wasn't there. I didn't know what to do. He got out of treatment and, you know, IOP and that was it. But there's so much support now because, uh, you know, because we understand all this. And, and people like you, Maureen, had to go through what you went through. Mike and I, what we went through. Mike, you, uh, um, not uh, Sweets, you developing programs to pay, uh, for our people to understand what, you know, there is a difference, you know, by, by families getting well. And John Kelly, same thing, you know, him him developing that that. that family system um you know there's always a family system um support out there but now we have that support to get into um th to to kind of kind of understand um like just the addict coming out of treatment um you know they got that support they go to pay blah 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 now what are the families doing we have people like you guys now like sweets and maureen that we can go see and and understand and kind of work our ways through so Absolutely. maureen real quick we're gonna have to close here in a minute but sure. what um how can everybody get a hold of you facebook all that good stuff i know I mean, all facebook, in show notes yeah. but yeah but um, give us some, some either through the the nonprofit magnolia new beginnings.org <laughs> or i have on my website maureen cavanaugh c-a-v-a-n-a-g-h uh dot net 
um, they can get in touch with me through there. And, and my, my phone number's on there, my perfect. email address. And one more time, the name of your book, the full name? It's If You Love Me, A Mother's Journey Through Her Daughter's Opioid Addiction. Yeah. Maureen Kavanaugh, what an incredible, uh, unbelievable story. Yes, you've been. Yeah. Oh, been you know great. what? Can oh. I just add one thing? You can sure. add five things e- if you want. Every, <laughs> uh, if anybody reads the book, it's it, like I said, it's funny. It's full, and it's full of hope. And and the, when it ended, I had three. She had three days out of her last treatment center. There's many other people's stories because I work with lots of young people. Their stories in there. Everybody in that book is in recovery right mm. now. So wow. it does happen. That's great. Don't lose hope. And yeah. it, it recovery happens. It's yeah. possible. And and the families can recover if yes. if the if the client the client the um the the loved one doesn't recover, we can recover, and we have to live our lives too. And that's something I'm sure you look down like, yes. okay, I need to recover even if she's not going to recover because sometimes they're not going to recover, unfortunately, right. you know. So, but anyways, um, that was a great show, and thank you, Morning. Thank you for being thank a guest you. coming to the studio. Really appreciate it. FriendsRecoveryPodcast.com. Maureen Kavanaugh, thank you so much. Stay sober, everybody. That concludes this episode of Friends in Recovery, the Addiction Recovery Podcast. Thanks to Genesis House for supporting those on the path to recovery and for keeping this valuable resource free for our Friends in Recovery community. Follow us on Facebook for past shows and updates. If you're interested in becoming a guest on the show, email us at help at FriendsInRecoveryPodcast.com. If you can't get enough of Mike the Podfather and Jersey Ed, you can catch them on Answering the Call, the First Responder Podcast, available on Facebook, Podbean, iTunes, and YouTube.